Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No holes board. Uh, we'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Do you remember that meltdown? Yeah, that was a uh... Bill O'Reilly. It's like a famous like. That's um... right. Yes, I couldn't piece. I know it's some idiot. <laughs> you think Bill O'Reilly's an idiot? Yeah, I don't think he's not an idiot. <laughs> You don't think he has anything of value to say? I mean, I've never found anything of value in what he said. It's always like, I mean, like, I, I guess I could kind of take Fox News or leave it. Like, as a Canadian, it doesn't really affect me that much. But he always struck me as like, just shut the fuck up. Right. Like, even if I agreed with him on something, I'd be like, God, you're the worst possible person that's, to talk about this that's most pundits honestly like i'm out on all pundits like even like sports i don't listen to any sports talk radio i don't watch any show like i find more value in just following dudes that just like do a bunch of stat stuff for like fantasy or betting or something like that or right. beat writers for local teams that i care about like beyond that i don't find like any value in like national level things i think everything's become so regionalized mm. that I find like the sweeping national narrative of stuff to be, I don't know, off, I guess, you know, this is so much content now, I guess what I'm trying to say that you can find it. That's more. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that here. Like if you watch the national sports stations here, it's, it's like super Toronto centric, right? Which makes sense in basketball and baseball because that's it. Right. But like, I mean, those aren't our national sports and like hockey, there's like, there's now like eight teams, right? you know, and, and even then the Maple Leafs are like one of these teams that hasn't won in like 60 years kind of thing. So, well, it's just like anything. I mean, I guess it's like, I understand why national level coverage of things isn't going to be as, um, <clears throat> in the weeds as local, right? Cause they can't, right cover everything so it's just fine it's just now what i prefer like i don't care about anything nationally and then especially when it comes to cable news because of the obvious pandering to whatever side they're pandering toward right so it just it feels like your news or like the big cable news is just like irreparably broken it's not even news it's it's entertainment pal i mean it's more they're just like pandering to audience and I'm not even just saying that for Fox. It's for all, oh, of them. No. you know, it's like, it's complete just saying that side of the narrative that they want to spin because they know certain populations will eat it up. So that's just what it's become. So it's not even literally, it's, it's literally just a ratings war based around entertainment and it's just spinning the news in a certain way. But the scary part is that I think we've learned specifically the pandemic is it's not entertainment for most of the viewers, right? It's like right. they live and die by it, and you can see it framed in everything they say. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, I always kind of find it amusing when like someone will, will bemoan Fox news for being propaganda, but then ignore, I, I think it is propaganda, but then ignore like the CNN propaganda or the MSNBC right. propaganda, you know, like it's like, well, it's all fucking propaganda. Like you got to kind of try to pick the fact out of the narrative, which is, which is tricky. And that's what worries me is that most people aren't able to do that. So they you know, take it. I, I will say this I, here. One of our biggest news agencies is government run. Right. And that feels dangerous. Right. Like the CBC is, is funded directly by the Canadian government. It's like PBS. Yeah, but do people really turn to PBS <laughs> for like news? Probably should, honestly. Um, <laughs> but then, like, and you, I can tell, I can tell the talking points of the news stations just by looking at like comment sections of social media. I don't yeah. even need to watch Fox News or CNN to know what they're talking about, what the hot point is, because you see it parroted over and over in comment sections, right? Like, yeah, that's it. You don't even need to know because it's people. That's the hot. T- it's, it's something you know that they would never think about or be knowledgeable about. Like the big one for me was the the caravans of like the the immigrants or whatever. Like, right. That was a big one because you know no one know what the hell is got really going on, but you could just everyone would say the same three talking points. Like it was such a hot button issue for these people. Um, <laughs> and you know that they're just like watching it on Tucker Carlson or whatever the hell, and it goes both ways. And either like, like a freedom convoy or an invasion. Right. Right. And it even goes the same now, like you see it, there are still people completely rattled and crippled with COVID stuff that are still living like we should be locked down and saying the same stuff. They're not going out. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't know where they're getting theirs from. You know what I mean? Like are they just broken on the other side. So I'm rehearsing a show and it's like, uh, it's a Shakespeare show and uh, Mary Wise of Windsor, if anyone's interested, but um at the beginning, when we auditioned people, we we specifically asked them what their comfort level was with, like, taking masks off and stuff like that. No judgment one way or the other, but just kind mm-hmm. of gauging. Every single one of them was like, it's fine, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever, and, you know. And then I come to rehearsal today, and it turns out that one of the complained and tried to get, like, ev- make sure everybody's in a mask, it, like, when we're rehearsing. And it's right. like, God damn it. It's like some of them are still wearing two masks outside what's happening but i'll say this and i don't know how long we're going to talk about this for probably shouldn't talk much longer but the montreal gazette which is like the biggest english montreal newspaper since the pandemic began it is nothing but editorials about how we shouldn't let go of measures or the government isn't being strict enough and conversely it's like a thousand of those and a thousand like, hey, weed helps you with a million things. Right. And I think that's a really interesting combination to be giving a panicked people. Like, here's here's a panic, something for you to worry about. And here's something that's going to calm you down. I don't know what to make of it other than I, 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 I it's, like they, they never promoted uh, weed before in any way, shape or form. Right. And now it's like, no, it's nonstop on, on my feed. So take that for what you will, Canada. Smoke it. Or right. ingest it. <laughs> no holes barred, clearly. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. That's well, what we this do. is like our Bermuda Triangle talk, but that's what we do. We're no we have no holes or barred, so we do what we want, right? We do what we want. 
Uh, bar nothing. Uh, so this is our special, and it worked out because there was three weekends in April, Aaron. So, mm-hmm. uh, or I shouldn't say three, three for us, the way the, the month fell every other week. And it was perfect timing to do our, I guess, now annual special re-rank of WrestleManias. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I shouldn't say re-rank because we're not going to go re-rank our whole list again. But what we're going to do is talk about this year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 38, and see where we would slot it in our all-time list. Right. And we did this a year ago, and WrestleMania 37 actually finished eighth for us. Yeah. And I think once we go through 38 and kind of see where it should be, I think we should actually talk a little bit about 37. Right. Okay. Like a year later to see, like, you know, has your opinion changed of it? Has it has it stayed constant? You know, things like that. Yeah, I think it's an interesting approach. I think, you know, and I'll gladly admit, like, a big chunk of the enjoyment for 37 for me was in the moment like the first big post pandemic show having missed on WrestleMania 2020 because of everything that happened, had that taken away. It was such a happy vibe to be there. Mm-hmm. The setting like was cool. So like, I'm happy to say I, I might've been swayed a little bit like right. in the weeks following that show, because of just how happy it made me to be there and to be part sure. of it. Um, that said, I still stand by the fact that I believe it was a great show and that they really yes. crushed it. Um, and there was a lot to like. So looking at this list quickly, like to me, it jumps out that we had it above eight and seven. Yeah. And I think that to me, I think that that. Well, let's talk about 38 first. Mm-hmm. So I, I, something you kind of just touched on here, which is which I think is a major talking point, is that you were talking about how just being happy to be there was a major fact for you. And you got to go to this one live also, correct? I did, yes. Okay. So I think there is starting to become a major, major disconnect between how fun something is in the arena versus how fun it is to watch at home. I think there's something really interesting happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's because, at least for the time being, they don't have to worry at all about network subscriptions. Right. Or even really pay-per-views, right? So they're really selling the the live version of of the event a lot heavier than say the enjoyment of watching it on pay per view, and I think there's a different there are things that 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 come off in this show in 38 for me watching it at home on pay per view that probably would not have been a problem live, but they end up being a big problem for me watching it at home. Mm-hmm. Um. What do you think about that in general? It's a bunch of bullshit. No, I I definitely think there's a truth to it. It's almost like a throwback to wanting to be there live, right? Like that was always their drive was to attend a live show and see your favorite stars. And um, I do think they have done. And I don't know if it's like a Nick Khan thing. Like, I don't want to jump and give him too much credit, but like they've made this at least the ones I've been to, and I've been to a f- the bigger ones over the last year, like SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and then this one. And Survivor Series, I didn't get the vibe as much as I did SummerSlam and, and WrestleMania's, is like this party, big time, like vibe where he they've mixed, they've been better at mixing in the entertainment factor into the show. Like I never really gave a shit about the concerts, like in a negative way or whatever. No the past manias, but like, I think they've done a nice job of adding that feel into the arena without slowing down the show. So I mean that by like, they have a DJ 
that plays all during like the pre-show buildup and he's mashing up wrestling songs and real songs. And like, it's just like, a, it's hard to explain what the vibe is. And yeah. Um, you know, I think this mania was really one of their first shows in a long time that felt completely fan service, maybe since WrestleMania 30, like it was like all the big moments and even like, 30 wasn't like full it was fan service but not full fan service the way this one was. Right. This felt like a classic WrestleMania blow off. Here's everything you wanted. All your favorites, some great classic moments, the right people going over. Like it felt like that was entitled, you know, pointed toward trying to please the audience one way or another. Yeah. And I think I think the two night thing plays a role in this as well. Yeah. Um, for the positive in many ways. And I was always anti two night. I've come around. Um, I, I like it actually now. Right. And the crowd definitely benefited from it because I will say historically, and I've been to a lot of wrestling shows. I can't really think of many that had that sustained of an intensely like engaged crowd. Right. I've been to ones that had bigger moments and pops, obviously, but not where like the crowd was into just about every match. I mean, you could argue AJ and Edge, they dipped a bit, but beyond that, like I felt that there was a buzz and an engagement in, in everything across both nights, which I thought was yeah. impressive. And and I think it I think again that speaks to being there live and and being with friends and being able to discuss matches in between. And allowing, allowing the party atmosphere and the the social aspect of it to fill the lulls, because when I was watching at home, like it's a weird thing. Like I mean, my general view of the show is that wow, no bad matches, mm-hmm. no uh, one one or two bad matches, but out of uh, out of the sixteen, you know that's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Everything right. was good. A few things were great. You know, there's a lot of fun on the show. But by the end of night one, I'm fucking exhausted. Right. And I and I don't want to watch any more wrestling. And then by the end of night two, which I didn't even watch, mo- I watched only half of it live. Like, I'm just so burnt out of like, of like the video packages. And like, I, 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 I don't want to say the entrances because I think the entrances are, right. can be a really important part of it. But when you yeah. mesh those with the video packages, with the recaps from the week, the, the night before, with the the preview for night two mm-hmm. during night one, plus the video packages of the stories, like I'm just I'm so drained, and it ends up, it ends up hurting my enjoyment of the show. Right, because and I don't I, think you're, and I don't think you're fully off. Like I think there were definitely times in that arena, like I know, like Damato was complaining about it quite a bit. Um, about like, oh, uh, you know, another video package, all of this between ma- like entrance media, you know, like it, it definitely you could feel. It. I think what helped was for live, it wasn't a seven-hour show with all that shit. It was just yeah. like, you know, two four-hour shows, which is like more tolerable back to back. But I can see why sitting, just sitting on your couch watching, can make it feel like, oh, uh, you know, it's dragging out. And and I think you hit on a good point earlier when you said they don't care as much about buys or subs anymore because they're getting their their nut either way at this point so it's like whatever and and the only way they make money off this event is by bringing people in for two nights 
Right. But even beyond that, I think what you what you indirectly hit on was the fact that it's less than ever a need to see it live. Right. Right. Less than ever for them. Um, you mean watch it live or watch, see it live? Watch it live. I'm sorry. Okay. You watch it that night. Right. So I think in a way. All that shit. Becomes less important because it's maybe like the must see factor of it on that WrestleMania night is lessened by the fact that they're going to make their money either way. And yeah. you may enjoy that show more if you watch it Monday and you just fast forward that shit. Right. Right. Um, so I think I'm curious how much going forward, if this becomes the tact and the two night mania stays like, does the rewatchability factor go up on these shows versus the live and, and I don't feel like that's always been the case, but, and when mm. I say live again, I mean, you watching at home live, not being, yeah, I understand. Live. I what you mean. So I'm wondering if like, like this mania, if you watched it in four months and skipped all the junk, um, you know, would be a, a much tighter and enjoyable show for you to view. And I'm not saying like, that's fair to do it for a rating, but the stuff you're talking about skipping isn't really pertinent to the show. It's not something that they've ever done before. Right. So it's like, and whether it's because of Peacock that they have the extra ads or whatever the reasoning is, it's yeah. just the way it's presented now is completely different. So it, in a way it's almost getting harder and harder, and more unfair to compare these WrestleManias because over the last two years with the two nights and the way they're being presented with Peacock is, is way less um, than ever like the same as like WrestleMania 18. You know, <laughs> it's just completely right. different. So it's almost like gets a lot harder to compare. Yeah. Like it, it's interesting that you say like you could fast forward the video packages and everything and you're not really missing anything. I also think that there's probably like I think my I liked the show both both nights. There's mm -hmm. I found there was enough to like on both shows that I'm not here saying I hated it, right? Like I enjoyed it enough. I found it more frustrating, right? Right. And like as much as you say, like you can take away the video packages and the entrances or, or whatever and kind of skip over it and find what's pertinent. I find there's also a bit too much on the show match wise that isn't pertinent also. Right. And maybe that speaks to just the nature of no matches really being pertinent. Right. Like because of endless rematches, because of their, yeah. the way they tell their stories now. Maybe well, and your engagement in the product. I mean, if that's, someone that's yeah. really into the product, it's going to be different. Right. Like. Right. Like there were kids in that crowd, and again, because that's like we talk about a wasting hours talking about a, something named for kids. But um, there were kids in that crowd that were super. I mean, right around me. I'm not doing the Johnny Sorrow, my nephew, in the in the garage thing, right? Like, I mean, there were kids like literally next to me, in front of me, like engrossed in everything. Like they knew everything. They were super into everything. Um, well, I, yeah. I I totally buy that because when I went to 35, which was mm -hmm. way too long for a show. But it didn't feel long in the building. My seven-year-old was into everything there. Right. Right. Within two months, he's not watching wrestling anymore. Right. So I, I really do think there's something in that that um that you just don't care about it. You don't watch Raw and SmackDown, right? Like so it's yeah. you're popping in for this one big night and you're just hoping to get value and entertainment out of like whatever matches they present. So like story and booking wise, you're probably less tied to it than ever. Oh, for sure. And, and that's a major aspect of it too. It, it, it's like, and, and that's actually the saddest part of it is that when I'm watching it, it feels like the product is like not for me anymore. Right. Right. But then again, I can still enjoy it. Right. right. So 
I don't know. Like, you know, the matches I didn't enjoy are, are not really ones that I think would be really that enhanced by a storyline. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Um, it more speaks to the performers. I just think that when I look at this this two-night card, mm-hmm. like, I think I sent you it. It's like, it's 200 minutes of wrestling out of 480 minutes. Right. Right? And that feels really low. Uh, and Because most shows are most shows are hovering between 50 and 60% wrestling. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what they used to when I was keeping track of that kind of stuff. This is like closing in on 40, right? Right. And I I almost get it if they're providing more value in terms of concerts and segments. And those are not the issue. But that's not what's dragging these shows down at this point. It's the it's the overproduction of everything. And I think when I look at the two-night structure, it's like I feel like in these two nights, there's one night of wrestling that is like all-time great. Right. But it, it's not presented in a way to set it up as all-time great. At least for me sitting at home. In the arena, I remember when I saw 35, right? Mm-hmm. That show was like seven hours long from like yeah, pre-show to end. It, I think 32 long. in that are like the, yeah. the peak. But being there in the building, I was super happy I got to see Finn Balor against Lashley. Right. You know, kind of a throwaway match. I don't think I'd feel the same way if I was sitting at home. So I get the idea of like, you, it really is becoming a destination thing. Like it's great if you go and it can be, it can be very good if you're at home. Right. And again, t- maybe tightened every watching, right? Like yeah. if you're just watching and I'm not even saying skip the lives. If you just skip the ads, right. In the, in the yeah. packages, like I'm not saying skip match. Oh, I mean, any paper would be great if you skip the bad matches. Right. But I'm yeah. just saying skip the junk you don't need. And again, I don't know how much of that because in the arena is different, right? You're, you're kind of zoning out, but like between matches or you're bullshitting or you're running to the bathroom, whatever it is. So I don't know how much of that is peacock driven, right? For the free tier um, that they have to put ads in. I'm guessing that's going to be part right. of it, right? I guess, but I mean, even the ads are short. I, I really think the big problem is the video packages, right? The recaps. But again, like for someone like me, and I'm not saying I love them all, but like that doesn't really watch the weekly TV. Right. They can be helpful, right? Because, Sure. And I'm guessing I'm not alone and you're not alone in that, that we're watching the big show dipping in for this because I don't feel like they do this many video packages on regular shows. So I, I don't know how much of it was literally like, look, we know, like, was it a conscious effort to say, we know this is a night that people tune in that may not be watching. Right. And, you know, our goal is going to be to show them what they haven't been seeing. So maybe it's like, not the best idea. Maybe it's just misguided, right? Like maybe they thought they would do this as a benefit to folks that aren't, is that maybe a once a time, you know, once or twice a year viewer, maybe they're tuning in because they saw Austin on the ad and are, yeah. are and they're trying to hook them with the product, something like that. Maybe they just need an editor for them because right. it feels like now these packages are like, I feel like some of them are like 10 minutes long. Right. Right. Whereas like, I mean, Austin and McMahon in Valentine's Day Massacre, I think the whole thing's like three minutes long. Right. And that encapsulates a whole year, right? Of, and, of like, like umpteen classic moments, right? So I, I'm curious as to what – I get the thought of like, okay, we got to get everybody up to speed. It's kind of like TNA when, they const- when we're reviewing yeah, TNA yeah, yeah. and they're constantly reviewing because they, they assume people aren't watching every show. I get it. There just has to be a better way to do it. Right. Yeah. And the good thing is, I mean, if you had to wait, what's important on these shows, like I'll take that being the bad versus 
like, oh, the match is disappointed, bad booking, which I don't think this show had. Like, I, nothing jumped out at me as, like, the wrong decision. Um, to me, the only disappointing, really disappointing match, and I get every watch it because I don't think it was even bad, is Charlotte and Ronda. Um, I've seen people that actually, like, you know, said they liked it out there. Um, I, I don't remember enough of it. By that point, it was getting, obviously, later, you're just going to wait in an Austin. Yeah. Um, and then the Edge and AJ. But I kind of went in knowing that yeah. was probably going to be disappointing. Um, this Edge so, run is is difficult, yeah. I find. Because he's given time as though he's Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Right. Uh, not together because they don't seem to click together. But I mean, like in terms of being like a ring general, right? And it, it I don't find with the with the exception of um, the the greatest wrestling match ever, which wasn't the greatest wrestling match ever, but I thought was really great. Um, and the main event of last year's WrestleMania, I'm not digging a lot of this run. Well, and I was it on Viewers Choice that, that they were talking. Someone said it recently that edge was never the work guy like and they're trying to make him the classic match guy but he was never that yeah it might have been marcus and tim on there and i apologize if it wasn't if it was someone else said it recently but like, like he's never been he's not that Ed, guy he just wasn't like he never was there's nothing wrong with it he just wasn't the classic match dude so like they're trying to make him at like age 50 after after a decade off or however old he is right yeah um after a decade off, they're trying to make him the classic in-ring match guy. And he just wasn't. He was like the garbage match guy and or whatever. You know what I mean? Like and he would or the great tag wrestler. Look, his now, greatest matches are the three TLCs yeah. and the match with Foley at WrestleMania, right? Right. Or that, if you want to say, you know, I sliding seal, I guess the more taker. The Hell in the Cell or the no, WrestleMania? WrestleMania. Yeah, but that wasn't like a classic the way those others are classics. I don't know. I, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great to very good, whatever you want to call it. Right. But like when you look at edges, like tippy top stuff, it's all garbage matches, even Hardy, the TLC and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, I don't think that's necessarily his fault. It's like, and the problem too, is he's old. So everything has to be slowed down. Right. Right. And then you kind of, with that match, you kind of had a pretty shitty finish too, I think. Yeah, I like the idea of the stable. I actually think there could be benefit to it if um, they let him be more of like the mastermind and a little bit less in the ring. Like if they give him workers. Yeah. So if it's, you know, Priest and Rhea Ripley is rumored, Ciampa is rumored, right? Like, so if he's yeah. like more of the mastermind behind them doing the work and he just steps in for the big matches, there could be a benefit there. They give him um, Ezekiel. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson, I wish they did more with AJ. This was a cool one on paper that we knew. Like I went in knowing it was to be disappointed. Like yeah, it was talked about as like this could be the linchpin match and this is gonna be the work. But like no. I went in prepared to know this is gonna go a half hour and I'm probably not gonna be as happy about it as I should be. When I when I turned on night two because I I had some I forget what I had but I had something so I turned on night two and it was at the beginning of the Edge AJ Styles package so I knew it was coming. And I considered doing something else for a while. Right. Like, and again, it's I love AJ Styles, but it's I think AJ's kind of cooked too. Yeah, and again, it's not. I mean, he's just broken down. He's just old. He's yeah, had a, a hell of a run. He works a different style. But you almost wonder if they would have given him a sprint with someone that could go, 
would it have been more beneficial for him? Or even you know? even a sprint with Edge. Like right. give them a 12 minute sprint instead of a yeah. 25 minute match. And maybe the match is really good. Right. It's just crazy that they've never given AJ this marquee mania match. I mean, I know they tried in 2020, like they were going to try and do him and take her. Right. Um, yeah. But if you look at it, like him and Jericho was super disappointing yeah. at 32. Like it's good, but him and Shane is probably his best, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. But it's just because it exceeded expectations. Right. Him and Nakamura, you know, should have been. Yeah. But wasn't. And then by that point, he's starting to come down the other end, right? Yeah. And then what's 35? I can't remember. Orton, we're all blinded by the lights in the match. Right, right. So I don't remember that one. Then you get the Boneyard. And then last year, it's the tag with almost, which is fine. Like, it was a yeah, cool moment. Yeah. And then this. So, like. But I feel like they've missed the window. Like, I don't even know what it is at this point. Like, who could he have even fought? Like, can he even, can he dial up to that level again? Look, I think that AJ's, AJ's run in WWF, anyway, um, his best run ended in 2017. Right. And he's been coasting, which is fine. I don't, I don't begrudge him. He's older. You know what I mean? And I'm glad he's getting paid. And I'm glad he's being featured because even at his worst, he's still very, very good. Oh, yeah. But I think the the era of AJ Styles delivering great match after great match, like when he came in in 2016, that's all he did for a year. Right. Right. I mean, he had Reigns, he had uh, Cena, like uh, even the uh, not Moxley, Dean Ambrose stuff mm-hmm. in the fall. Like that was all legitimately great. Even his even his Rumble run in 16 was great, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that's gone now. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could find it if you get the right guy, you know. Yeah, like, I think could him and Riddle have a really fun match? You know what I mean? That's something like that. Like, yeah, I think I think it's still entirely possible yeah. that he he comes out and delivers a great match. I, I think that's completely feasible. Right. I just don't think we're gonna get great match, great match, great match, great match kind of thing. No, and he's definitely not gonna pull fifty year old Edge to a twenty five minute classic. No, he just can't. Now, I, I, this is something I found strange when because what happened was is. You know, I watched Ed JJ, then I finished the show, and then a day or two later, I finished the rest of it. Night two, this is so strange. Three matches ended on Spears. Mm. Isn't that weird for them to do at a at a major show? I don't know. They're so spear horny. It's not a shock, I guess. I know. It's just like it's such a. I'm. I'm I wonder why they let Edge keep using that finish. Because I never, I never liked that for a finish for him. Right. I just thought he was too small. Yeah. Like now, now he's bigger than everyone. So it kind of makes more sense. Right. But it's, it's your top guys finish. Yeah. He just never figured out. Like he did the education when he was younger, but beyond that, like he never really had another one. No, it's strange. eh? What night did you like better? One, like by a lot. It surprised me because our viewer's choice Tim and Marcus were talking about two being like, you know, their bet, their favorite and one of the best. Um, I, I think I liked one better as well. I did like a lot of two though, but the, the new day, Seamus fiasco, the women's tag. And then, you know, I know it's not their fault, but Reigns and Brock definitely under delivered. Yeah. And I mean, the positive is it was quick, but the injuries forcing them home early definitely made that feel anticlimactic. 
Well, but, especially especially because it was booked so heavily as like the biggest match ever. Correct. Now, I will say night two, I think, had my favorite stuff. I just think night one was more balanced. So like I love the jackass match. Um, and I liked all the Pat McAfee stuff. Hmm. I, I think I, that was a Vince Vince and Austin mark, obviously. Like I loved all that. <laughs> I I love I really liked the Jackass match. Like I'm not huge on comedy wrestling, but I thought this was done really well. I think it was um, about as perfect as you could get. Yeah, I love Wee Man coming out. I thought what I, I was not expecting that little guy to be so intense. <laughs> he was, like, he was ready to go. The ferocity with which he was punching him. It's like um but no, I thought that that turned out really well. I like McCa- uh, McAfee and Austin Theory. I thought that was really good. The, mm-hmm. the crowd was clearly engaged. But I hated McAfee McMahon. Like, if there was one thing on this show that I hated, mm-hmm. it was that. And I get why they did it. I uh, I get the nostalgia of it. But I thought it was the only thing on the show that, like, really ex- – like, I mean, look, it's on the same show as Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn. And I thought this is what exposed the business. Would it have been better if, and this is what I thought was going to happen in the moment, is that Vince low blows theory and like pins him. And not like a match where like they're beating him up, like him in theory in the ring, trying to explain what happened. He drops to a knee, uppercuts his nuts. Because I think they wanted to like. They want Austin to come out and stun McMahon. Yeah, but beyond that, it was meant to be. A, a big closure mania. Like you heard for months, uh, maybe not you, but you heard for months that Vince wanted to take a bump or have a match at this mania. And everyone wrote it off as being crazy because it was age and this and that. But it really seemed like he wanted to have one last mania moment and it would be fitting to do it the same as Austin. So I think it's like looked at as like, all right, Austin and McMahon both have their final mania matches and then Austin stuns him one last time, and then we're done forever. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I just think McAfee losing was, was <laughs> stupid, or, given how over and great he looked in the match before. And I'm look, I'm not a Barry guy. Like, whatever, he could come out tomorrow night, sure, or whatever the fuck night, and run and crush it and be fine, right? But it, I, to me, it just would have made more in a more classic Vince thing would have been just like be mad at Theory kick him in the nuts and pin him. Like that would have made more sense to me. Or yeah, that would have been fine. I agree with that. Or I like the idea when McAfee challenges him and he teases taking off the jacket. I mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, you could still have that. And then before, you know, just as Vince is getting in the ring, standing there looking all tough, maybe theory fucking blasts McAfee with a chair and Vince just pins him. Yeah. Right. Like, and then he, he, he dances around as though he's, he's won and he's celebrating. Yeah. And then, you know, then Austin comes out. It's the match. It's the match and making, like, this guy who just beat, like, Austin Theory is now suddenly getting killed by this old guy. Well, they did so. I mean, Theory did. Like, Vince never took offense on his own. Like, Theory did lead to every offense of assault by Vince that mattered. So it's not like he straight up just beat McAfee. I mean, No, but... It also like when McAfee had to sell for him and it, it just, it, none of it rang. Yeah. It, it just felt like a bad segment, right? Yeah. Like, and it's too bad because it was following something legitimately pretty great. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I like Austin coming out and stunning him and stunning theory and stunning McAfee. Yeah. You had to do that. 
that was fine. You know, like I think there's just a better way to get there that isn't like, okay, you know, and, and it does add another, like, I mean, it's only four minutes, but it's still four minutes like of like this old guy barely able to move. But I'd rather take that than another video package. So it's okay. That's true. But I mean, look, like, like, I think this show, I think for me, so I kind of like sat there and ranked the matches like, like one to 16 or whatever it was. And I was kind of shocked that like almost all the bottom matches for me are night two. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, God, I felt so bad for Rick Boogs. They were super over. So they knock a finally getting it together. Um, yeah, I, look, I think they did. I, I think overall, the worst matches in night two, but nothing again is like stands out as bad. Um, I thought they delivered like a ton of moments overall um, that stuck out, like things you'll remember, like Drew cutting the rope. Um, but again, why? Why did he do that? Like, what is what is that? I don't know, like, but you'll remember it more than a stupid match with Happy Corbin. So that's but, but that's what I mean. Like that match yeah. could like I get again. That's one of the ones where I'm like, oh, if I was there, I'd probably want to see Drew, right? But then it's like, okay, is he trying to kill Madcap Moss with the sword? He is should. that what that is? Is he just trying to chop the ring? Why he like you know like he won the match? Why is he angry? No, he's just letting out the rage of being stuck with these guys for three months. Um, it was it has been a long feud. I mean, they've been lit shit feuding since I think January. So. Um, yeah, whatever. But again, it's a, it's like a moment they can show, and it sounded cool live when they did the snap noise. Okay. Uh, I mean, and then of course night one had Cody, which we should talk about. Yes. Uh, his return, and I thought, you know, I thought they nailed this to perfection because it can be real easy to get cute here. Yeah. And this is what I thought they were going to do, right? I thought they were going to have Elias come out, Seth beats him up. You know, tease that it's not going to be anyone big. And then out comes Cody, right? Or I thought, like I said before, it was going to be Undertaker. Right. And that they were going to use Cody elsewhere. Uh, I thought Taker was going to come out there for his like for his final match and just tombstone Seth and squash him. Right. So full credit to them for reading the room and knowing, like, and I don't know if they had plans or not to do it this way, but either way, like, that crowd was ready for Cody and they didn't drag it out. They didn't fuck around with the tease to kill the, like they delivered the pop right when it needed to be delivered. Like the crowd was revved up. It was peaking and ready to explode. And they did it instead of delaying and potentially not giving as big of a moment. Right. And it reminded me of 33 at the Hardys because they did the same thing where the crowd wanted the Hardys. They gave him the Hardys without fucking around. You know, I guess they did a little tease of the new day, but it was, it was it, like five seconds long. Yeah. It was pretty obvious it was going to be them. So, you know, full credit for that. And the moment itself was great. Um, I liked the match quite a bit. You know, I thought Rollins really balled out. I think it could have been easy to just have Cody squash him. Um, but I think it meant more to have him show and give like that big WrestleMania match. So here's a guy making a huge debut because it doesn't usually go that way. Like you get this big return a debut and then they go on to have a 20 minute match, right? Like, right. like I feel like that's kind of rare in a big spot like this. So I thought they did a nice job of delivering on that moment. I thought the moment itself was handled almost perfectly. I think for me, besides Austin, this is the only thing that felt like WrestleMania. Hmm. 
Like maybe uh, Logan Paul also, which we can also kind of talk about quickly. Right. But uh, this felt like WrestleMania. And I – so when I watched the match, I thought, oh, you know, it's I, – I, I thought it was really good. It's like, oh, it's really good. I think they're both doing well. Mm-hmm. And then this was one of the ones – there's a few that I went back and watched again because this one and uh, the Bianca Belair one and a couple others. But I went back and watched it again to see, well, maybe I was too high, maybe I was too low, because I'm hearing some people really didn't like it or they thought it was bad outright. Right. And on rewatch, I liked it way more. Mm. Like, I think it's legitimately a great match. And I think what's lost in in everything, I think people have a, a – no one – I think there's some people that have a bias towards Cody. The Cody line narrative right. is a real thing, right? But I think that's kind of been broken in the last few years. Well, it's a like Cody he, line and then the Triple H Jr. where he's going to have the, the forced classic, right? Yeah. This didn't feel like a forced classic. No, no, and that's I what think, I'm saying. But I think that's yeah. been the vibe on him. Like, yeah. he's going to have the forced classic amongst guys that are putting on real classics, right? Because that was always kind of the Triple H thing, right? Like, you yeah. had these guys really putting on great matches while he was pretending to put on great matches. And I think that was the vibe with Cody sometimes and even in AEW where you have these guys yeah. actually putting on classics while he's cosplaying it. Yeah. I think he's kind of stepped past that now because this yeah. match, so, uh, there was a, a pretty interesting story in this match that I thought was really neat because mm-hmm. Cody's whole narrative here coming back seems to be, when you listen to everything he's saying, it seems to be proving that he can do this, right? proving either he can win the title or he can hang with whoever. And that's what I got watching this match is that he was really trying to hang with Seth in a Seth Rollins match. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was some really good selling on the ribs, like and and kudos to Rollins too. I don't generally love Rollins matches, but I thought Rollins did a really great job of like narrowing in on Cody's ribs and yeah. working the ribs for the whole match. And Cody sold it well. And Cody was working uh, the left arm, and I thought again, Seth did a really good job selling that for the most part. There was nothing really that stood out as like, oh, he shouldn't be doing that with that particular injury, right? And I also really liked that it, it eventually it didn't degenerate into only big move, big move, big move. Like they only went to big moves once their usual kill shots didn't quite work. Right. And they felt they had to kind of up it a bit. And I thought the the, the near falls they did were um were were it wasn't an insane level. I thought it was a good level. And I even really like the finish with Cody, like just fucking hitting him over and over and over again with mm-hmm. the move until he's just dead and then pausing to do the dusty stuff, which I thought was great. Like I, I wouldn't go, so I wouldn't call this a five-star classic or anything to get me wrong, but I think this is probably a, this was a little better than I remember in the moment. Yeah. Yep. And it might, no, I, I think he sounds it up. Yeah. And it might've just been cause I was fucking exhausted by the time I got there. Right. Um, but I thought they did a really good job and it actually made me, I will say this going into this WrestleMania, this was the only thing I was interested in. And right. I'm not even that big a Cody fan. I just think it's an interesting development in the wrestling world. Yeah. Like, and, and they it crushed the, it. I mean, to their yeah. credit, they, they crushed the moment. They made it memorable. He made it memorable. Rollins made it memorable. Rollins, like, man. There's so many places where things could have gone wrong <laughs> for them. Um, and they all, all three parties nailed it. And where has this Rollins been? Like, because yeah. I've watched, like, as much as I, I'm not as tuned into the product, right? Like, I've watched every pay-per-view, 
right? I've, I, maybe I've missed some classics on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, but I've seen all his pay-per-view matches, and this felt like a different guy out there. Sometimes you need the challenge, you know? Right. Are you I, think, I think he took it on his shoulder to say, I'm going to carry this guy. Uh, not carry him, but like, yeah, just like, let's fucking show, even if it's a finger to AEW, right? <laughs> like, whatever it right. is, like, it felt like a bit of a chip to say, like, yeah, we're going to go out there and fucking deliver because everyone's saying, oh, it's just Cody. Oh, he's going back. You know, like, whatever. Like, the two of them, it seemed like the two of them were working a, a style that made it feel like they knew they right. wanted to prove something. Yeah. And they did. It, it was, I, I, to, in my eyes, it, for me, it was the match of the weekend. Do you think they should have had Charlotte Ronda on night two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was hurt by going two matches after. Like, that's a, that's a hard stretch right there. Like, Bianca Becky was really good at his 20 minutes. Then you have this great moment with Cody. That goes 20 minutes. And now you're going Charlotte Ronda 20 minutes. And everyone's just waiting to get to Austin. Yeah. Like, I think you you do, like, Lashley maybe there or something. Like, if you had to swap around a couple things, you know? Um, maybe Lashley in the New Day match or the women's. Yeah. Well, I mean, the New Day match is supposed to be that night, so maybe it's that, right? And they get a little bit more time. Um, but as is, like that's a, that's a rough four match stretch uh, for anyone to, to continuously deliver on, especially when everyone's just dying to get to Austin by that point. It's funny eh? because that's that's very much the format of like, look, I haven't watched New Japan in a few mm-hmm. years because I'm just not. I'm just I just don't have time, you know. But when I was kind of really into New Japan around 2015, 2016, this is exactly what their cards looked like. Right. It was like big match. Big, like it, it, they really just built like it's like you stack the matches in order of importance or whatever. Maybe you put something exciting on first. But then like it would be big match, big match, big match, big match at the end. And there was never any problem with maintaining the interest. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I think want- the interest was maintained. Like I think I don't I don't remember the crowd being out on it. I just think it was a lot. It's just a tough spot, given we had just had the other big women's match. It would have felt more balanced, I think, the next night. That's all. It would have been like having, you know, the two world title matches. I mean, obviously the belts are separate, but it would have been like having Austin Owens and Reigns Brock on the same night, and then something else the next night. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm legitimately curious why they decided to put those the two women's title matches on the same night instead of spreading it out. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you easily could have swapped it. I mean, you could have even put it, I guess you probably don't want Edge and AJ on the same night as Cody. But again, if you just put the New Day back there and then even like last year, the women's tag, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. And you could even put like, you could even, like, if you put the women's tag and Lashley there, swap that for yep. Flair Rousey, you can put something between Belair and Lynch and Cody right. and Seth too. Yeah. The, uh, I was happy they did the match with Austin. That was something I personally stood by happening. And I felt like, there was a lot of like, oh, there's no way he's going to wrestle. There's no way he's going to do. He's never gotten physical all this time. They're just going to stun her. But I just felt like the way they were talking it up, it didn't seem feasible that they wouldn't do some kind of match, especially once the reports of Austin being such a good shape and killing himself to be ready to go. Like, yeah, if you and once to it was going to main event, it was obvious to me that they were going to wrestle. Yeah, when you were listening to him talk on interviews, it was like, I got to get in shape. It was always in shape and shape, and I'm in great shape. Like, he was always mentioning it, and that, to me, was like a big, like, red flag that he was, that something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the way they got to it, I thought was really interesting. The talking before was great. 
Like I thought Owens and him were both gold on the mic in the build up. Oh too. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Cause you felt the tension mm-hmm. like, like, and even, even as something as simple as when Austin got in the ring, the first thing he did was throw out all the signs. Right. Yeah. It was great. Was like, okay. Something's going to happen here. Yeah. Right? I mean, Owens, Owens again hit a grand slam. I mean, he, he was fantastic across the board and, you know, I think from here on, he's a made legit made man. Um, I think him staying in the face of AEW lurking and deciding to stay there for whatever his personal reasons were mm-hmm. in their eyes is going to cement him as like, okay, this is our dude, right? Like he, him and Zane both, you know, had a chance to go to this red hot competition where guys like him are flocking to, but they both decided to stay here and we're going to reward them with major WrestleMania programs. And I mean, Kevin Owens main evented WrestleMania with Steve Austin. So like, yeah, it's hard to do better than that. Right. Uh, and Zane got the big celebrity match. Correct. Correct. And so, they both yeah. were presented wonderfully and they both crushed it. I mean, they both went out and put on maybe the top two performances of anyone on mania. Yeah. I think that's, there's definitely an argument to be made there, especially Johnny who had to carry, like, I don't, I mean, I don't think Kevin Owens had to carry stone cold the way Johnny had to carry uh, not Johnny. Sami Zayn right. had to carry all the jackass crew, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that was like... I mean, Owens, to me, that was like a vintage Mr. Perfect or like a Sean Hogan at SummerSlam type thing, right? Where right. he is just like doing doing all he can to make Austin still look like he's Austin. Yeah. And fly around and bump around and crush it um, and do it selflessly, like without making it hokey like like Sean, Sean. Right. I mean, he's out there just making it look believable and it was great. I, I, again, I thought that was perfect. I thought they absolutely nailed it. Well, he's clearly working with like one of his idols too, right? Like, oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's like, I don't not for him. Yeah. Like I'm sure Sean, like Hogan was never an idol for Sean. Right. Or if well, he was by then, he probably had lost respect for him. Kind of correct. That was the same, yeah. Yeah. No, they both nailed it. And I'm actually glad. <laughs> Look, I love AEW. I, I'm given the choice. I'll watch it over WWE almost any time. Mm-hmm. But I think Owens and uh, Zayn are better suited where they are here. I would agree. I, I think it was a really smart move because like AEW is filling up. And. Look, you can never have too much great talent, especially now with them owning ROH, which I think they're going to treat kind of like, um, I think it's going to be like their ECW was to WWF in like 98, 99, where loose affiliation. And if you got guys with nothing to do, like FTR or whoever can go down there and fuck around for a bit. Um, but I think Owens, when you look at the landscape of AEW, like where does he really slot in there? Like, is he going to really step in above all those other guys right away or do you just stay get paid millions of dollars work a lighter schedule you're older you know he's got some injury history he worked a kind of a crazy style and you know now they're going to love you and protect you and it shows already because you got to wrestle steve austin in the main event of wrestlemania yeah um and same for zane who's just been around forever like it's different than a daniel bryan who just wants to wrestle well, yeah, wants to wrestle, but also was on the sideline and almost lost it all, right? Like, yeah. and he did stay. I mean, he was Kevin Owens four years ago, or whatever. I mean, he re-upped. He could have left, right? He decided yeah. to come back. And what, what was that, like 19 or eight, whatever it was, 18, 19, 18, when he yeah. signed that new contract. And there was, like, a lot of fans that wanted him to go, like, leave and go work 
And the AEW wasn't even a thing then. They wanted to go to Japan and do indie stuff or whatever else. Yeah, I think that's and, what it was, is that there wasn't an option yet. Right, so he stayed. Um, but he maxed out. And you can maybe argue Owens did, but I just, I'm with you. I think it was 100% the right idea for those guys. Like, hey, you're just going to get... Only so many guys can keep going there before shit's going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, well, like, where's Owens going to be? Is he just going to be, like, Adam Cole? Not not that I dislike Adam Cole's run. Right. A lot of people are down on it. But, like, he's just kind of floating. Like, I think AEW does a really good job of, like, bringing people in hot mm-hmm. um, and kind of maneuvering them to the side without cooling them down right. to kind of bring them back stronger. Like, I, I think the prime example of that is Miro. Right. Like, he came in, everybody cheered. They didn't really know what to do with him at first, but they were able to build him back up to stronger than he was. Right. So I think in the long run, if, if Owens would have gone, he might have gotten lost in the shuffle at the first and then come back. But I, I, I think this is a good move for him. I agree. I mean, he'll be a made man. He'll have a job for life now if he wants it. Like, you know, he can be a agent. He could, I mean, he'd be a great announcer, a commentator, you know, if he wanted to go that route, like he'd be perfect for that. That's where he should shift to once his career. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, do what you want, Kevin Owen. Mm -hmm. Don't take my advice, but, but, um, I think that'd be a really great position for him, but even Sami Zayn would be good at that too. Yeah. So these, those two guys are made, I mean, they're made for life now. And, uh, I mean, I would say at least coming out of this night, like, I didn't get to see Raw because I was traveling home. By the time I got home, it was just about over. But I would say that um, for this one night, it felt like this was a company that actually had it together. And I don't have that feeling a lot with WWE over the last few years. But right, I come out of this show feeling like, all right, they kind of have a plan. They kind of did right by the fans. They got all the people that deserve to be in the card on the card. Yeah, they use celebrities and part-timers, but they did it in a very seamless way, not eating up big main event spots. And I think, right. again, that's a benefit of the two nights, right, too? Like, you yeah. could put Austin in a main event, but it's not really taking a main event away. Um, well, you can kind of make an argument that it did. It took away Charlotte and Rousey as a main event. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a – I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that it did, but it did. Because I think without right. that match, Charlotte and Rousey is the main event of night one, right? Right, but the gate's probably not as big without Austin. So I, if you had asked Charlotte, uh, she's probably taking the payday. Yeah, of uh, course, of course. That's my guess. But anyway, you, you get my point. They could still have a, a main event of stars or a card full. Um, but they used everyone well. Like, yeah, Knoxville beat Zayn, but it was like, you know, it was a crazy situation. It was insane. Back to me, isn't really a celebrity, right? I mean, he's a he's part of the company who may continue to, to work, right? Um, right. And Austin Theory's still a rookie right in theory yeah in theory. so it, it's okay that he can he he's not goldberg who well mcafee's been proven i mean he was great in the war games yeah. match like like he's had stuff he's done stuff like we but know he's and he's an athlete yeah but it's weird because in the build they didn't seem to focus on that at all yeah i know it's like they it's wanted like to it, just reset the story with him yeah, like this is his first match that's what yeah. i if, if i was joining the product for the first time here I would assume that this is the first time he's ever stepped in the ring. And maybe that makes it more impressive, honestly. <laughs> so, maybe, yeah. Um, but, you know, and even even Logan Paul was great. I mean, he's a natural-born heel anyway. He should probably be a wrestler. Like, I would and throw I don't think they're done that, with him. I would my throw guess, money at that dude to stick around. Like, oh, yeah. My guess is he fights Miz at either Money in the Bank in Vegas or at SummerSlam. I could see that. See, I like that match, too, but I, I thought that, like, Outside of a few little golden Logan Paul moments in that mm-hmm. match, it was just a very pedestrian thing. 
And I just don't want pedestrian at WrestleMania anymore. Right. Yeah, I mean, how much of that is Dominic? <laughs> oh, well, and Miz. Like, yeah, Miz I mean, is just limited. Yeah, he's, he's... Yeah. And I don't think Miz is bad. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, he's just you know three star Miz. Like he's he's one of those guys. It's just it should be the Miz line. That's what it should be. Yeah, I mean he's like a poor man's Jarrett. Like you know we talk about Jarrett a lot. Who yeah, you know everything's right around that three star range. If he if he has a great night, he can maybe sniff four right. Yeah. Um, and but Logan Paul is great. The fucking gold po- Pokemon card was <laughs> great. Uh, and just the whole Eddie, st- all the Eddie stuff Logan Paul did. Yes. With that that shit eating grin on his face was mm-hmm. like. Like, I, I mean, I felt like I was looking at a superstar heel. Yeah, and, and he connects. I mean, so my son loves, like, YouTubers. Like, he's very into that right now. And he knows, oh, yes. like, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. So, like, I made sure I sent a video to him in, in a picture. And, like, you know, he like so, like, it speaks to a certain realm out there. Like, this dude is, like, super well-known. And I think they've done a really good job lately of using celebrities that care. And that want to put the time in yeah, and want to learn and make it look like really good. Whether it was Bad Bunny last year, um, Logan Paul here, Johnny Knoxville here. Like they all put the time and effort in to like deliver and not be carried and to make it mean something and not treat it as like a sideshow joke. Just look at how Logan Paul was dressed. Right. Like he went out of his way to get wrestling gear and to look like a wrestler Mm -hmm. and, you know, like – and I, I would argue Logan Paul is the biggest celebrity on this show. He's the most famous person on this show. Yeah, I would say Steve Austin is the only one that's in his universe. I, I don't even think Austin's even close because I think Steve uh, Austin it, to Jake to Logan Paul now. I don't know. I, I think a lot of most people know Stone Cold Steve. I mean, he does a lot of pop culture shit too. You know, I mean, like it's close. All right. I mean, it, whatever. He's I, like I said, he's the only one in in the stratosphere. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, he would be closer, I suppose. Yeah, he's the only one that's in the in the realm. Yeah, and yeah, Johnny uh, Knoxville. I mean, but, Johnny Knoxville. but even Knoxville feels like a step below. At this point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did just have a major movie come out, so. Right, but I think that's a nostalgia movie. Yeah, which I, I have no. But it's problem still a with. major movie in theaters, like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Paul like, is... four years ago, Johnny Knoxville, probably not as much. Yeah, I mean, like, how, how big is Logan Paul on YouTube? He must have a channel. How many of you, how many, oh, I'm like, sure it's millions, yeah. There are 23.4 million subscribers. Right. And that's just subscribers, right? So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big following. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, now, I still struggle with Bianca Belair. I don't know what it is, but this is just a person for two WrestleManias now that is not connecting with me for whatever reason. And I know she connects with such a large swath of the, the audience. What am I missing? That's a you thing, not a me thing. I can't, I don't know. Um, mm. I, I, I find her offense to be good. The power stuff I think is engrossing. I think she sells well. Um, the hair whip is like a great hook. Mm. I struggle more with Becky. I, I struggle. I, I also struggle with Becky. I, I do and... not like big time Bex um, as a character. I think it's, it feels 
way too over the top and cartoony to me. Like cosplay of Conor McGregor is what she's trying to do. It, but it feels like a kid playing it instead of being believable. Well, and she still has the same mannerisms in the ring. I, I agree. Right. If I have the choice right now to watch Bianca Belair or Becky Lynch, I'm taking Bianca every time. Right. Um, we were talking the other night how she's low-key like the worst horsewoman. Yeah. Despite the big push. Um, but even she hasn't evolved at all. Like watch how she how she sells surprise about a pin not working. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Like she brings her hands to her mouth. She starts mumbling. Like, and it's like what? It's like a person who's never seen anybody look surprised trying to create surprise. I feel like she went from being. There was a stretch where she felt the most natural and organic, and then that quickly ended. Like when she got punched in the nose and had the bloody face, and started that run. Yeah, it was like, oh, okay, this feels like. To me, at that point, Charlotte felt more forced. Like they were trying to make Charlotte feel like, the legend, right? And right. Becky felt like the working working woman's brawler, right? Like, all right, she almost felt like the Austin of that run, right? Where it felt organic and natural, and the crowd swell, and she was just wanted to kick ass. And then this somewhere in there, it just got lost and. To your point, I think she never took the steps to develop. Like she just kind of bought into the hype. It felt like, and just kind of coasted on it. And some people are just better chasers. I think. Yeah. It's a sense of return. It just hasn't gotten there. And you know what? I mean, look, she had a baby (laughs) like went through a pandemic. I mean, like maybe it's just going to take time, right? Like who knows? We could be sitting here three months from now and, like it just flows back for her. Like she's still knocking the rust off. Like it's only been, you know, she probably came back too soon at SummerSlam based on the booking, like we saw. Right. So right. she's only been back six or seven months, still knocking the rust off. Daniel Bryan did the same thing, right? I mean, he was out all that time, came back, took him some time. So whatever, it could take great wrestlers a lot of time to get back in the groove. But to me, the character is the problem. Like it feels, it just feels really forced. Like the big stupid glasses, the thing, like it just feels like, too goofy to me and i think bianca never feels that way to me she feels just herself at all times Um, yeah i would agree she feels herself i just don't know what her character is well i don't think they've ever really given her one like yeah and maybe that's the the est thing is like whatever um i get it but it's just like i guess she's just like a super athlete like that's what it's supposed to be yeah it's like i can see there's a good performer there I just have not been able to find a reason to care about her. And she's an emotional storyline. Like it could have been there with Becky fucking her over at SummerSlam, but I just felt like for whatever reason, I think they wanted to get to mania. So they backburned it a bit. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know what that story is. Like it's weird with the women right now. I feel like they don't, they don't know how to really book, stories for them um that don't involve titles think, yeah i think they're almost afraid and it's interesting that's actually something that AEW does pretty good week to week mm-hmm. i don't think they deliver the match quality that these women deliver right but i think they do a good job of kind of finding a bunch of them stuff to do that doesn't necessarily involve a title yeah and i think I that's like, the, i feel like they're the, afraid yeah yeah and i don't know why like i think they're afraid to like t- like 
present them wrong because they did it for so many years. Right. Where they were presented as sideshow and TNA and emotional baggage for the men's feuds. And now I think they're almost like they don't want to touch like, oh, well, if it's emotional, they making her look like a bit. You know, like, I think they're trying to, like, avoid that. Right. And as a result, the women's division has just become about, like, being uber athletes and who's the most athletic and who's the biggest star. And which is fine. Like, it's way superior to anything <laughs> there would be a book before. Right. Um, and they have, like you said, they have the women that can go. So it's, it's fine if that's the presentation that they're all just awesome athletes and just who's better on that day. And that's kind of what it's become. Um, the, but I think, I, I, th- I think they need, I think it's just a lack of historically, like there's no women wrestler to help step in backstage and help figure it out because it's so new. And right. and none of the women rest. This is not to denigrate the women that came before, mm-hmm. but none of the women wrestlers that have that have come through are anywhere near the level of these ones. Yeah, they just weren't asked to be, right? Yeah. So that's it. Like you can bring in Mickey James as a as an agent. You know, maybe that'll be a good idea, right? Because she, to me, she's probably the closest of that group, right? To yeah. have put on that consistent level of athleticism and, and but i mean if you bring her and trisha as agents like does that help i don't know because the storylines they were involved in were about fat asses and lesbians and you know whatever else right yeah. like so like i think that's missing because on the men's side you have this endless reservoir of old-time wrestlers that were involved in classic stuff that could they come don't in. listen to <laughs> right yeah but they're there right and yeah. whatever like well i was exist. Well, what I was thinking as you were talking was like, well, just book them the way you book the men. But then they're not great anymore at booking legitimately personal storylines. Right. And that's what you need to drive feuds. That's why nothing feels like a, like what was the last feud, not match series feud. I can't even remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's all about match series. And, you know, Marcus has talked about this and we're going to see it play out on war into the future. Like. It's about performance versus winning matches. Right. And this has become, I've been on this, Aaron, I would say at least six years. (laughs) Like I remember closed eyes and headlines talking a bitch about this, that the minute wrestling became about who's being booked to win versus who wins is when things changed. I think there's a bit of a caveat to that. I think you're right, but there's a small caveat to that is that, a subtle change that happened there too is that the ones that were booked to win were the ones that actually got the most time. Right. And, and, and so it became a dual thing of like, okay, like you could live with Jake, the snake Roberts, not winning all the time. Right. Because at the very least he was always on the show in something prominent, but you weren't mad at, at you weren't mad at George Scott. For not booking Jake Roberts to win is my point. No, like but, you but were be, mad that Jake didn't win because you didn't lose. But I, I maybe there are people that are mad because someone didn't win. But I think now winning is also it, it, it also equals being on the show in a position where you can thrive. So it's like Jake could not win, but he was always on the show in a position where he was. I don't want to say always at his best, right. but almost always presented in a way where he could be his best. And so you got the potential of the character and the entertainment from the character without that character necessarily winning. But I guess I'm trying to say is the fans were more invested in the guys themselves and not the backstage part of it. Like, 
when when Daniel Bryan doesn't win, you're mad. You're not mad at Triple H for beating him. I mean, you are because it's Triple H. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. You're not mad at Randy Anybody Orton else. for beating him. You're yeah. mad that that Vince McMahon and Triple H are booking or burying Daniel Bryan, right? Like, yeah, I think that's part of it. But then I think there's another part where it's like, okay, like when he's not winning and not on top, he's in a tag team doing nothing and not having great matches. So it's like it, it's like they, they've there's a there's a there's a, and and this is it's true to the women and it's true to the men. There's a difficulty in building storylines up and down the card that show people at their best. Like if you throw on an, I mean, even in the nineties, there's, there's so many guys that are just like people are at their best, even if they're not in the world title picture. And right. I don't think they book that way anymore. So I think, yes, there are people that are like, it sucks that he doesn't, I'm mad at, I'm mad at Vince cause Brian doesn't win. But I think that there's another element of it where it's like, because they don't let him win in this world, if you don't win, you're relegated to almost nothing. Right, but then, the, then the, the, that goes with it is the fan view that, and you saw it, like, I don't know, one of the chats we got going on, like, someone lost, like, oh, wow, they buried him. Like, it's like one loss means they're buried, and that's it. <laughs> like, like I mean, well, guys I mean, have won so, and lost for years. Like, you can't win every match. That's true. But I, I and I, I would, I would agree that that term is thrown around way too much, buried. Mm-hmm. That being said, and this is something we've talked about a lot, is that, they are not usually very good at capitalizing when someone's at their hottest. Right. And then they, by, by making them lose in that moment, they're unable to regain any momentum. And I think one of the best examples of that in recent years is Nakamura. Right. Like he gets thrown into that feud with Mahal and he's just Mm -hmm. never the same. Now you can maybe make an argument with him too, that he, he was never the same as he was in NXT to begin with, but like he still came in super hot. Right. Right. I don't think they buried him by having him lose to Mahal, but they certainly took away what was special about him. Right. To me, it's more the complaint of that any loss is a bit, wow, they buried, you know. I, I think yeah. that was one, actually. I think it was Nakamura. So I saw someone say that, like, wow, they buried Nakamura. I mean, he lost because his partner got hurt, and they were fa- facing oh. the greatest tag team in wrestling history, in company history, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Like, I, I totally get that. I just... I. I want them to be better at booking everything up and down the card so that mm-hmm. everyone has a something going on that makes them look strong. Like if you I watch for this, yeah, good. If you watch Canadian Stampede, which is obviously a great show, every single person on that mm-hmm. show is booked strong, even in lo- losing. There's not one person that's not featured well, even in a loss, right? And I don't think as a whole, now I think this show we're talking about did a good job. of. I was going to say, I feel like for yeah, one night they did, it. but it's, but it's a, at least not yet. It's not a consistent thing. So right. I get the idea of like, well, if they're not going to have Cesaro win matches, he's just not going to be on pay-per-views and I don't right. get to watch him wrestle anymore, which is what happened for how long. Right. I, I think that's an element that doesn't get talked about enough anyway. We can agree that it was sad for Rick Boogs, right? Yes, I, I, yeah, I was sad. Um, I, I, that was one gimmick when it started that I was like, I don't know about this, but it, right. it's really it grown on me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and now Nakamura is going to challenge for the championship, right? Yes, and I will be at that show as well. Oh, there you go. And we can agree that RK Bro should never break up. Ever, like, and even if they, even if they go their separate ways in terms of 
like not being a team anymore. Right. I don't need to see them feud. No, stay as friends and to help each other out. Although I would definitely be into a match where one day down the road, Riddle is champion and he gives his friend Randy Orton a shot at the title. Right. Or now with the brands, you can soft split teams, right? So do a draft at some point and Riddle gets drafted to SmackDown, whatever it is. Uh, that was a great opening match. I feel like that was like overlooked on this night. Super fun. Super mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And a great way to start night too. Yep. Yeah. With Gable Stevenson and all that too. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know about that, but we'll see. All right. Um, all right. So I think we've talked about everything pretty much. Yeah. So why don't we look at our uh, rankings? Butch is yeah. bad. Butch is really bad. Yeah. God. Like what's wrong with him? Is he just like, I don't know. Is he mentally challenged? Like, I don't understand what the character is. It reminds me of, like, a worse version of what they did to Taz in 2000. The little scrappy bulldog. Yeah. But who can't be controlled? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And I love Seamus. I love me some Seamus, right? Like, mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to the room. <laughs> right. All right. So let's start in the middle. Okay. Is this better or worse than WrestleMania 31? I think before we do this at all, we got to talk about 37. Okay. I think 37 is too high. Um, hang on, I'm pulling up the card here. All right, so here's 37. This is a refresh. Lashley Drew, which I think was good, right? Yeah, great. I lo- I really liked Lashley. Yeah. Drew. Uh. Women's tag team turmoil, I'm sure, kind of whatever. whatever. Cesaro Rollins, I remember quite liking. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ and Almost New Day was more of a cool moment. Yeah. Braun Shane. Not good. Right. Bad Bunny was great. Yeah, but I didn't Bian- love the match, but I thought he was great. Bianca, Sasha, most would say it was great. I know you didn't like it as much. I liked that more than I liked this year's. Right. I think that's like a classic. Orton Fiend is a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Naya match is not great. Yeah. Sammy versus Owens. God, I forgot Logan Paul was on that show too. Yeah. Um, Sheamus Riddle was very good. I love that match. Yeah. Cruz Biggie, kind of nothing. It's only yeah. six minutes. Yeah. Rhea Oscar was good. Yeah, but disappointing. And the main event was really good. Main event was great. So I I don't see the drop off in this card. I don't I don't think the card drops off per se. You just think but we I overrated think, it. I think we overrated it versus at least a few of them. Okay. Like because as much as as much as there's some great stuff on this card, I don't want to. Rev- I never want to go back to it. Mm. Right. See, I can sit here and say I'd want to watch it again. Yeah, but you haven't watched it, right? Uh, I watched it after I went. But not in a bit. Uh, but I would say, like, of the modern, and this is made with the t- tonight, or maybe it's the last couple are just better. Yeah. Like, anything from 32 to 37, like 37 to 38, I'd watch over any of those. Yeah. Like, I think last year's was better than this year's. I think, I would, 30, I think 37's <sighs> better than 38. I guess I'd agree. I just, 37 is better matches and it's tighter. 38 to me has like way better big moments. I agree. I think they're probably rated almost right next to each other, which is why I think it's important we deal with 37 first. 
Yeah, it almost feels like a um trying to think of a good comp. I feel like there's other manias we've had the same discussion where it's like one had great moments and one had great matches. Yeah, it's like it's like twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's let's stick them together. Okay. Let's say we're gonna have thirty seven and thirty eight together. Okay. I'll put thirty eight below it for a second. Okay. So now let's go back to my question. Thirty one. I feel like thirty one is a mania that is pretty split for folks like i've heard people say they hate it um i've seen people say they love it it has the same main event as 38 yeah right a better version of that correct a Uh, much uh, superior uh, version a much better and i would say a better main event than 37 yeah probably but how how about the rest of the cards it's got the great icy ladder yeah orton and rollins is really good yeah but it's also the sting stuff as much as here, here, well, can we know, say they buried, match. did they bury sting? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, but I actually think that match is really fun. Like, I think mm-hmm. that match on its own is nearing four stars, which is crazy. Um, AJ Lee and page, the Bella twins, whatever. It's, it's not bad, but it's not good. Cena and Rusev, I think is very good with probably the wrong ending. Mm-hmm. Taker Wyatt's not good. Uh, but the main event is incredible. Right. So I get why people are kind of split on it. This also feels, it feels like such a cool throwback though. It's like a normal four hour WrestleMania. <laughs> it's it's really the last one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's the last one of that. But yeah, it's 32 starts the insane marathons. Um, so I'm a little torn. Like, and now this is, you know, we had 37 at eight. We have 31 yeah. at 16. So that'd be quite a drop. I don't think it go. Look, I, I think right after 31 on our list is WrestleMania six. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable putting 37 and 38 ahead of WrestleMania six easily. Yeah. I mean, kills me. Right. I, I mean, you could almost argue the, the moments of WrestleMania six are bigger. Right. Uh, I think you could. I don't even think you could almost argue. I think it is bigger. The, the moments. I'll tell you what, after watching 28, Mm-hmm. For war, which will be coming soon. I don't want to spoil too much, but I think that might be. No, you, it, 28 War is already done. You did it. Oh, right. Yeah, we're 99, 2000. Yeah. Jesus. I do too many fucking shows, man. <laughs> um, I think that's I think that's too high. We can bump that down, too, if you want. I think I would. I'm interested for 24. We'll be coming up on that soon on PTB. Right. Um. I don't want to be slave to the moment. I feel like 31 should be above a bunch of these. I think. Right. Are we going to move eight and seven up below 10? Yes. Okay. And I think we should probably move 21 ahead of 28. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And I think 21 can comfortably go ahead of 37 and 38. Yeah. I think I'd have 37, 38 above 28. Okay, then let's talk about 24 and 23. Like, are we bumping 28 down? Because 28, uh, I mean, the cell was whatever. Um, I think that's the linchpin. I love the cell, so I'm okay bumping it higher. I think you get a really great world title match, and you get the all-time main event, right? 
Yeah, so for my grades on those three, I gave Roxanne a four and a quarter, Punk Jericho a four, and the Cell three and three quarter. Yeah, see, I have the same, except I have the Cell five. Right. Exact same with the other two, though. But then then the rest of the card, there's not that much. Well, you get the Daniel. You're high on the Daniel Bryan. Yeah, as a moment. But I would take the other moments on 38 over it by far. Yes, and I, I think that the matches between the Daniel Bryan moment and... And it's like like the Kane Orton is fine, but it's mm-hmm. it's no different than Drew McIntyre and uh, Corbin, right? Corbin, right? Um, Rhodes and Big Show is at least has a payoff of a story, but again, it's not it's not a big thing, right? Right. Like who gives a shit if the Big Show wins the Intercontinental Title? Right. Um, I think our I think the the cadre of 24, 23, and twenty five is an interesting one to look at. Yeah. And maybe 31 also. Why don't we put 28 at the bottom of all those? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that that was kind of eye-opening to me. Because that one always stuck out in my mind. Because I, I know I liked Roxena. But yeah. re-watching it, and I mean, and I had watched the entire build, right? That whole season up to sure. it, too. And I actually thought they did not do that great of a job paying off a lot of the stuff they had been building toward that show. Right. And like, there's some stuff on yeah. it that's just upsetting. Right. Like Zack Ryder getting buried. Yep. <laughs> there. Yeah. He was buried there with him getting kicked in the nuts and losing. Come on. No, there's a lot of that in there. Um, and I think Christian might have been hurt, but like he's such a big part of that season. He's not even on the show. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, there's just a lot missing so yeah that, that show definitely took a hit in my eyes 24 um i wish i had gotten to it for pcb by now but i don't know again is that i feel high see 24 all three of these i think they're really interesting comparison i think 24 and 23 are really similar mm-hmm. and i think 25 has higher highs but also right. lower lows so it, it they're they're all it's all a really interesting mix. So twenty four, what's great? You got Taker Edge, which we both agreed is fine. It's fine. I, I well, Michael's Michael's flair is the big thing there, right? Right, but even that, like I I'd have to. It's been a while, but I don't remember it being higher than like a four on that for me. I have it at four and a quarter. Yeah. Um, I the triple threat is a I I have it at four. Yeah. Orton, Triple H, John Cena. You get Big Show Mayweather, Mayweather, which is great. Yeah, that's maybe the best celebrity match of all time. The Money in the Bank is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Edge and Undertaker is really good. Yeah. So this is, I could see why this is above twenty-eight. Now, yeah. JBL Finley is a fun open. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Batista Umaga is disappointing, but it's not bad. Right. I'm trying, I'm trying to see like what the worst match is. Uh, Chavo and Kane is eight seconds or whatever. And the worst match is uh, I have Beth Phoenix and Molina against Maria and Ashley in a Lumberjill match. That's quick. Yeah. So. So looking at 23, you have Cena, Sean, and Taker Batista, which are both great. Yeah. I think Taker Batista is like exceptional. Right. You get the Trump stuff. Yeah. And is that it really though? Really good money in the bank again. Yeah. Um. I, Chris Benoit MVP is really good. Your, your big stuff on 23 completely delivers. Right. And then what's under it, Lashley, the, the Lashley mug is the Trump stuff. Um, what else is on this card? 
You have like a, the ECW eight man tag. It's just kind of fun, but it's nothing. And Kali, not great. <laughs> so I think I'm already at 24 above 23. 25. Okay, the big knock against 25 is obviously going to be the main event. Correct. But the main event is like Undertaker Michaels is like, like the, the main event isn't the same level of bad as Undertaker Michaels is level of great. But that main event is 25 minutes. That's a long match. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's not great. But then you also got the money in the bank, which mm-hmm. is great. I think there's a really fun sprint with Edge, Cena, and Big Show. Um, I like Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy. I think that yeah. gets a bit underrated. The legend the, stuff. The legend stuff is a lot of fun. I think it's a good use of everyone involved. I just really think it's that main event. Yeah. The Miss WrestleMania it is what it is. So I feel like I'd have these two modern ones above it, but what gives me pause is Sean and Taker. Yeah. It's like if Sean and Taker was on a card like WrestleMania 13, mm-hmm. we'd have a completely different discussion, right? But it's not. It's on a card with like legitimately right. great stuff. And I would even say, and this is going to hurt me, I even say that like, Fletch and Orton is like, it's not like worst of all time bad. It's just a horrible misreading of the crowd. Right. So. 21. Why is that so high? It's 21 top to bottom with the exception of like the two top matches is incredible. Mm. Like, where is it? 20,000 bucks. You have Big Show Akabono, but that's short. You have Trish and Christie, which isn't good, but again, it's short. But you get uh, Sean Angle. You get the first Money in the Bank. You get Undertaker Orton, which is like legit great too. I mean, where where's twenty? We have twenty two higher than all this, right? Yeah, we have yeah. that at six. Okay, good. Twenty two is always my like. Yeah. Maybe twenty one isn't so obvious there. I don't think it is. Those are those main events. Right. Like, I, I, why is that above 25, you know? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Sean Angle is on par with Taker Sean, but it's not mm. that far. Like, right, I don't know. Were you with? 37 and 38 versus 25. If I had to watch one right now, it would be 25. And and again, it's this it's my whole it's my whole thesis on these shows is I never want to watch them again, even though I know there's great stuff on it. Right. But you're just not into the era as a whole. It's not like you're happy to rewatch Elimination Chamber 22. No, but I'm also not into 2009 as a whole. In fact, when I did the year that was, it's one of the worst years. Yeah. So I I I would say that whole se- sequence of 20, 23, 24, 25, that's kind of the last time I was checked out as a fan. Right. Like I'm more involved now by actually watching all the pay-per-views. Like when I did the year that was, a lot of these shows I was watching for the first time. Right. So – I, I, I can see that argument, but I, I with these ones, no. If we're comparing it to WrestleMania 6, it's a completely valid argument, you know? 
that's that's where I'm at on it. Is I don't want to wa- I don't ever want to watch these again. I might watch the Cody Rhodes moment again. I might watch the Steve Austin moment again, but I don't want to sit down and watch these shows. So if we put them above, would you have them above 31 or below? I'm more ambivalent on 31. Right. Although I'd rather watch 31, but I can't base all of it on that because I would rather watch all of these instead of these two. Right. You'd rather watch WrestleMania 2. Then watch these two. But again, that just might be the length, right? WrestleMania 2 is three hours. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 38 is eight hours. And so it, it, that it's like you said off the top. It's harder and harder to compare them because they're just such different beasts, right? Right. Do I have a double here somewhere? What am I doing? How do we lose a slot? Oh, no, we're adding 38. That's why. Okay. Yeah, and you never, we never ranked 36. Fuck 36. Um... So if we had something like this, does 37, 38 feel low? Uh, put 31 up and put 28 under it. Yeah. How about 28 versus 6 and 18? I think 28 probably nudges them out. No, whatever. Um, I mean, does that look low to you for 37, 38? Or are those I mean, they're still top half manias? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when you, I think the night of, you mm-hmm. were like, where do you have it? And I kind of said, like, kind of like top of the middle. Like, that doesn't look, but how does it look to you? It's just tough because I'm so skewed. Yeah. By being there. So I'm trying not to overrate see, that part. I could see them going above 25 if you wanted to split up 23 and 25. But yeah, then you Sean got. Sean Taker just gives me pause. Yeah. Because nothing on 37 or 38. Is close to that. Like not even close. Yeah. What's the what's the highest rated match either of those shows? Is Bianca Sasha maybe at four? No, I think the main event of thirty seven. Right. Uh, stack them and pin them. I think I had that at before and a quarter, probably. Right. I mean, you weren't <laughs> touching. You weren't touching top three match of all time. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I have it at four and four, yeah, four and a quarter exactly. I know your grades better than I, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. You're dead set on 37 above 38. I could probably be swayed. I mean, like that's my original impulse, but I, I do like the argument that 38 had the better moments. So, right. So I guess it depends on what the mania is meant to be like 37, definitely more consistent in ring. It had the better matches. Like if you were to stack rank all the matches, you're probably getting a few 37s before we even get to 38s. Right. Well, look, Cause like, like, yeah, like my top match, at uh 38 is four and a quarter and then it then it drops to three and a half right whereas at um and I, who, you know who cares about my rankings right but like at 37 i have two four and a quarters right and it drops to three and three quarters and you know so there's a bit less of a drop off right i think that is part of it i think 38 is consistently very good but it's missing that all timer yeah. but it also has tons of moments and no shit, like 30, 32, 33, 34, 35, are long shows that also have like long dragging spots, right? Right. I think we didn't get that outside like video packages. Yeah, but I think that's got to kind of be taken into consideration because that that's what makes the show unwatchable, right? 
Yeah, but I, I, again, like if you're rewatching, to me, like you can skip those and it doesn't ding the show. Again, I'm not saying skip bad p- yeah. matches, but it's easier to me to say, oh, I'm going to watch 38 and buzz through these ads and videos and, and versus like 32. You, you can't buzz the bad. You know what I mean? Because you, right. you got to watch the matches like those count. You, you got to watch that hell in the cell. Yeah. Like uh, this is, that's what counts, right? Like the shit that is skippable for 38 doesn't, doesn't really count as part of the show. Right. It's almost like the old ones have the intermission. Like do you, discount the intermission like you know that's like a five minute intermission in some of those shows that is literally nothing happens it's sitting yeah. staring at the screen yeah um well and that's why 32 is last <laughs> oh yeah for sure because yeah. this is all trash um yeah i guess i'm already leaving 37 ahead just based on the match quality but they're close if I had to choose one to watch, I'd probably choose 38. Right. Because, like, I think, but I'm more of a moment guy. Right. I want yeah, both. you know what? Let's go 38. Okay. I, I think the Austin stuff, like, trumps whatever else. Yeah, and, and I think the Cody stuff. Right. Like, I mean, like, regardless, even if you think the match wasn't great, that moment was, like, magic. Right? Like. Right. And it was great. How about 38 versus 25? Um, well, it's up to you. I, I can see the argument of both of these going ahead of 25, but you're saying Taker and Sean gives you pause. Right. Like, my argument's just going to be, I, if I had to throw one on now, it would be 25. Yeah. How about 25 versus 23? I think 23 is a legit great top to bottom show. Okay. Like 24. Like it, it, it seems to me like, like 23 doesn't have anything as high as Sean Taker, but it also doesn't have anything as bad as Triple H Orton. How about 21? Did we want to downshift that or no? We could ding it for the mains. I think maybe we should put 24 and 23 ahead of it. Yeah. I really got to rewatch 24. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by it. Okay. I'm curious how it holds up. Well, that Big Show Mayweather match is like special. Yeah. I mean, I've in my prep, I've gotten through No Way Out and the show return is like awesome. Yeah. 21 also has that great Hogan moment. Right. Like I remember at the time that being really cool. I think what we're saying is those late 2000 manias are kind of underrated. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't think you ever hear much about them, but like 20 to 25 is like a really good stretch. Yeah, I mean, those twenty to twenty-five is all within our top thirteen manias of all time. And how about you throw in nineteen? Right, because like nineteen is our top, right? Yeah. Eighteen is the anomaly in there, because you I mean seventeen is close too, right? Right. But like that was a really special time for WrestleMania, and then two thousand ten is good, and and even eighteen we have at nineteen. So I mean, you could argue from WrestleMania seventeen through twenty-five. Or top 19 manias. I mean, that's that's a hell of a run. 
Yeah. Nine of the top 19 of all time. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting time because when you're looking at, like, starting at 17, you still have all their giant stars. And then as you start to move away from those giant stars, um, the, the, the in-ring quality picks up. Right. And you have guys on the card that have gotten the rub from those giant stars. Right. It's only once those guys really start to disappear, you really start to see it suffer. All right. So do you feel good with this? I think so until tomorrow when I blow it up on my mind again. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be curious a year from now when we come back to it again. Like, oh, did we overrate 37, 38? But... Right. I don't think so. I think this feels good. I, I think I, I think we're saying both of those are, you know, well into the top half of Mania's all time. Look, when I'm looking at our list, I would classify the top 22 WrestleManias as great shows. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's around 34 that, like, it starts to stop being a great show. Right. Like, number 23 is WrestleMania 34. And it, it, it's still a good show. Right. But I, I up up until number 22, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great show. That's a great show. That's a great show. Mm-hmm. You know, like like WrestleMania five is a great show. Right. And we have it at 20. Yeah, that's it. So I don't think these shows finishing 14, 15 is in any way a slight to them. I think it's just a testament to how great those other shows are ahead of them. All right. Do you want to read our top 20? Sure. Number 20 is WrestleMania 5. Number 19 is WrestleMania 18. Number 18, WrestleMania 6. Number 17, Tumbling, is WrestleMania 28. Number 16, WrestleMania 31. Number 15, WrestleMania 37. Number 14, WrestleMania 38. Number 13, WrestleMania 25. Number 12, WrestleMania 21. Number 11, WrestleMania 23. Starting the top 10, WrestleMania 24. Number 9, WrestleMania 7. 8, WrestleMania 8. Number seven, WrestleMania 10. Number six, WrestleMania 22. Number five, WrestleMania 20. Number four, WrestleMania 30. Number three, WrestleMania 3. Number two, X7. And number one, WrestleMania 19. No need to mess with that top uh, seven. No, and again, like you said, we could go through this a million fucking times and it'll be different every time. Yep. All right, so that'll do it for us. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll get back into our usual rotation. Uh, we'll have our GWE continuing to go through our revisited lists for this year. So we'll do that in a couple weeks. And then we'll get back from there uh, to our world title change uh, breakdowns as well. But this was fun. It's always good to take a minute and revisit this project. Check out everything at North-South Connection. Uh, Cronosa Daily is cranking daily, literally. Uh, every weekday you get a uh, 10 to 40 minute <laughs> breakdown of a uh, random wrestle, uh, random chronological pay-per-view and science minute event matches from Dirty of History. So that's a lot of fun. All different voices. I think we're up to like 12 or 13 different voices now uh, cranking those out. And then beyond that, just a lot of evergreen classic content for you, but also some in the moment content from guys like Ryan Gray and Mike Rossi. Uh, and then Tim and Marcus, like, you know, we, we've been, and even Jordan and Andrew with AEW, like, we've really increased the presence on some of the modern stuff as well, which has been cool. Yeah, lots of fun stuff going on each and every day, and thank you for the continued support. Dookie's been dropped. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Awesome. Awesome.
Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Your love for more of the night. I try to pull up a fight. 